actually not what I was going to do, what I had planned in advance, but last night when we were watching, me and a couple other friends who were pastors around uh, the area, we were watching the Patriots demolish the Titans, and we got to thinking and talking about different scripture, and uh, it's funny what happens when the game isn't competitive and you're not actually watching it. So, this is a, a sermon that I've said I was going to preach probably a hundred times, and I've never even gotten close to it before. So, this is something that, um, again, it lays on my heart. It's something that I, I, I want to make sure that uh, we all get this, and that is God gave us the greatest gift already that could possibly be given. And the craziest thing about the way the economy of God works is that everything seems like it's upside down. It's 180. The only way you can receive love is if you give love. The only way you can receive blessing is if you're a blessing to somebody else. The only way it works, you know, the only way you can get something is to give, and the only way you can be accepted and lifted up in any way by God would be if you put yourself at the lowest of estates. And so everything is pretty much, it's backwards from what we think. We think, well, you get the most money, then you're the most blessed. It's not the way it works. However, we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, which is oftentimes referred to as the love chapter. Uh, it's quoted at 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 weddings constantly. I've been a part of over a hundred weddings and it's been at probably 60 or 70 of them. It's been quoted. Um, and so before we get into it, I'm going to pray and then we're going to, we're going to go. Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask that you'll just uh, guide my words and guide me through this as we, as we do this, that they will, they all of my words will be chosen well and they will land softly on the hearts of the hearer and that it will mean something to everybody, and that it will further the cause of the cross. I ask for all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. First Corinthians 13 says, and I'm going to read the whole thing because it's a short little chapter. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, charity is the word for love also, but charity is used in this Bible because charity is something you give with no intention of getting back. It is completely self-devoid of all self. It is completely without any expectation of return. It is completely sacrificial. The only way you can ever really be charitable is with what you're giving. You seriously expect nothing in return. Not even a pat on the back. If God says many a times, if you get a pat on the back when you do something, you've got your reward, so you're good. That's it. You got it. So the best thing you can ever do when trying to be charitable is try to do what you can to make sure people don't know about it. Because the better you get at doing things like that, I believe the, the more pleased God is with us as individuals. The more we just do things because it's the right thing. So charity. True charity is something that, that, that you sacrifice with no expectation of getting a return. So, 13, first verse says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, 
I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunts itself, not itself, and is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. When I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. And now abides faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. This is considered the love chapter because if you replace charity with love, it sounds like a love poem. The thing is, is if you read the context of the chapter before and after this, this has nothing to do with the way you treat your wife, nothing to do with the way you treat somebody you're trying to date. This is talking about how we treat each other every day. Every day, people that you meet every day, whether they're in the church or out of the church, how you interact with people. It's saying that we are to be self-sacrificial in everything we do. We're to be willing to give ourselves over for whatever it takes to help people. And that truly is the only way that at which we can fulfill what Christ did, because Christ is a suffering servant. He gave his life, very life for us, as the greatest gift. So the most, the least we could do is attempt to help other people without expecting some sort of return. The interesting thing that I like to point out is how similar this list of things that he talks about is to the Beatitudes, which is where Christ says, blessed are poor, spirit, blessed. Because the only difference between this list and what, what Christ said when he, was on, when he was doing his sermon on the mount is that Christ is saying in an eternal state, this is the way things will be. Paul is talking about how we interact with people on a day-to-day -day life, how we act every single day. You can't, even if you give all your goods to be fed to the poor, but you literally hate the people that at which you're helping, or you feel a distaste for them, and you feel disdain for them, what you did is worthless. I mean, it's really worthless because you'll be known by the works that you do. You really will. And if people know that, well, that person gives a lot of money, but they're not a good person, that'll get, make it around. That makes it around. You're known by what it is. 
But at the same time, if you're getting a pat on the back, then you've already got your reward. So what does it what does it profit anything? The best thing we can do is try to live our lives in a way that we give of ourselves daily. We have to imitate Christ. The easiest thing that I think when reading this is if we read it and we're instead of where it says charity, if we were put like I am or I will in its place. The reason why is because then it becomes something rather than talking about an abstract idea, talking about us. And that's what Paul meant the entire time. Before I continue on, I just want to jump back to, we want, to, I want us all to turn to Matthew 5. And we're going to look at, at what Jesus says about this very subject when talking about it. Because, again, if a rich man glories in any of his riches, he's got his reward. But in the economy of God, everything is turned upside down. Everything is turned upside down. The reason why they use the term the beatitude is because that's in the, in the, the Latin. It's the same word as the blessed, but it means to be like completely joyful without any sort of, without any sort of sense of, of like mourning or loss or any sort of negative connotation at all, just complete joy. So when he says blessed, he's saying these people have complete joy in themselves. So we're going to start at cha in chapter 5 of Matthew, and we're going to start in the, the third verse. And it says, well, we'll turn a second. It says, and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for their sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For they persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We are not in a sense of persecution in, in America. I hear it all the time on, you'll see a Facebook, there's even a, ministry out there called Persecution Watch, and half of what they talk about is things in America. We're not persecuted in America. Go to another country where, you know, in the last three or four days in China, they bulldozed churches. Go to India, where in the last two weeks, 150 Christians of it were beat to death with sticks by radical Hindus because of a political leader who's using who's using rhetoric about that the Christians want to change their way of life, so they need to stop it. Go to a third world country somewhere and see what it's like to be a Christian. That's how you know what it takes to truly be a Christian, to really have love, is when literally doing it will cost your life. When there is a chance that you will die, but it means so much more to you to share the gospel, 
to somebody that they might have eternal life, even if you're going to die. When Christ was on the cross, he had every right to be upset. I mean, when he was in the garden prior, he was sweating blood from the, from the fear and the trembling in his flesh from this. But in the moment that it happened, on the cross, while he's sitting there suffocating, he screamed out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The ultimate sign of servanthood and selflessness. Stephen, one of the first martyrs for the faith, was, was given, gave one of the greatest sermons you'll ever read in Acts. And then they took him out and stoned him for it. And before he died, he looked up and saw the vision of heaven and he said, Father, forgive them before dying. The ultimate sacrifice that we can give is not of ourselves. It is giving the gift of God, of the cross, of salvation to somebody else through our actions. That is the best thing we can hope. The one thing that I hope amongst all things when I die is if nothing else, people will say he loved Jesus. If they say nothing else about me, if they have nothing else good to say about me, he loved Jesus. That's it. That's all I care about. There are many faults, many problems that can be pointed out. I'm aware of them all. But the one thing I will argue with anybody about is that I love Jesus more than anything on this earth. And every one of us needs to make it personal because. When you've gone through certain things, then you can see just how amazing the grace that God gives is. It's not until you're in that valley and you don't think you can see the top of the next hill that you really understand how amazing that light is when you do finally see it. God has given us all something greater than we could ever imagine. We're born in one of the greatest countries that has ever existed with some of the most wealth that you could ever imagine. We live better than 90% of the rest of the world does. We live better than kings live in third world nations. We have an amazing opportunity as a church to do such mighty works for the cross. This church has an amazing heart. When I come in here, I'm shocked at the level of honest, selfless love that is felt in this place. And there's no reason that we cannot take that out and change this whole little village, change this whole county, because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we could have that kind of love. That's the only thing that you could feel when you feel such a warmth about the people. This church has all the promise in the world because it has a small, dedicated people who love Jesus. When Jesus is the center of everything, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. All of it can go away. It doesn't matter when Jesus is the center. And the only way to make Jesus the center is if we love God and love each other. Those two commandments. If you look at the Beatitudes, the blessed, the best way, if I had to sum it up in a word, it would be unassuming. Unassuming. 
living life like a child. A child just expects the next thing. It accepts the next thing. It just accepts that its father loves them. It doesn't, it, and it's only later on through life that you might look back and say, well, I don't think my father was very, at the time, your dad's Superman. At the time, your mom can do no wrong. That's one of the reasons why there's a conflict a lot of times is because you look at the two of them and you say, well, they disagree, but both of them are perfect. When you're a little kid, and of course you become a teenager and neither of them are right anymore, but unassuming, Paul says that you need to be unassuming, you need to be wise, but you need to be unassuming enough that you, once in a while, you might even be defrauded by somebody who has a, a negative intent because you're so willing to give. Because you're so willing to give that once in a while you do become sort of an easy target for somebody who really does have a negative mindset. But that's the reason why you need to work in the spirit and live in the spirit. Because God gives a spirit of discernment to people. So that you should know that at some point, if I'm using the spirit for this, he will guide you through truth. He will guide you through what the next thing is. So that it will protect you and it will keep you. And whether you're in the valley or on the top, the spirit is the same spirit. It will keep you the entire time. And so the only way that we can walk day by day is if we make this Psalm, this make this 13th chapter real to us on a daily, on a day-to-day -day basis. So I'm going to read through the first several chapters again. And when I do, I am going to change the word charity to either I am or I will. Make it current. Make it time. This is what we do when we walk out of here. When we walk out of here, it says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it profits me nothing. I will suffer long, and I am kind, and I will not envy, and I will not vaunt myself. I will not be puffed up. I will not behave myself unseemly. I will not seek my own. I will not be easily provoked. I will think no evil. I will rejoice not in iniquity. I will rejoice in the truth. I will bear all things. I will believe all things. And I will hope all things. And I will endure all things. And why? Because God is love, and love never fails. As long as we are keeping ourselves in the Spirit, we are under God's protection, and God never fails. Even if you are defrauded, even if something negative happens, the same God allows the sun to shine on the wicked and on the good, on the just and on the unjust. It's the same God. He will guide. He will protect. Let's make this our cry that we will not seek ourselves. We will not be provoked easily. We will not seek out evil. We will not rejoice when bad things happen. We will only be the truth and we'll be willing to bear each other. Bear the burdens. Believe in each other. Believe in this church that we as a body of people, as a body of believers, as a group of people... We can endure all things together because we share the burden.
because we share each other's grief, because we care genuinely for each other, and we care genuinely what happens, and that we will, through our actions, be able to bestow upon the rest of the world the greatest gift that we have ever received, the cross. May we, as we continue to go throughout, and it's a cold time, may we continue to give of ourselves sacrificially to where that no matter what the situation, we are thinking to ourselves, what can we do to further the cross in every situation? One of these is going to apply to something you're going to do today. One of them is going to apply to something you do today. May your first thought be, what will further the cross? Not, not, do I want to, can I, will I? You can, you will. You have the ability because God will be with you as long as your objective is to help others endure and to bestow on them the greatest gift, which is the cross. It's about it today for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this message, and I thank you for this church, that as we go out on our separate ways, we will be united in thought as one body of believers trying to change the world for you. May our actions, may our deeds, which will always fall short, simply be catalyst for your light to shine. May we be able to get out of the way and let you work through us. I pray for these people. I pray protection. I pray just nothing but good that anyone whose heart is, is beating or broken, that they will find comfort in your love. May we all be willing to bear each other's burdens. May we all be able to do what is needed. I ask that you protect and you guide and you just help anybody who calls upon it because you are good and we know you are gracious. We ask for all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.